Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Tuesday news dump on the Just Baseball Show. Happy Tax Day. Tuesday, April 18th. Jack Aram, uh, do you want to do five minutes of non-baseball stuff or you want to get into baseball? I've got nine stories that we get a hit on. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything non-baseball related right now, honestly. <laughs> um, I didn't even know it was tax day. I'm not. I, I just kind of ignore that and just pretend it doesn't exist. That's right? good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send you a cake in prison. Yeah. Is that, is that how it works? <laughs> I think so. How did Messi um, get out of it? Can I, what do I do? I, I send you like the spoon hidden within the cake and then you've got like a whittle that you like turn the spoon into a shank and then you like kind of dig through the concrete I don't think that floor. method works anymore. I think <laughs> Shawshank think they, Redemption think doesn't work foiled, anymore. I think they foiled that one after like the hundredth movie uh, showed that, that method, yeah. but uh no, hopefully that's not an issue for me. I I saw you had a nice little interaction with TurboTax on Twitter, which is pretty cool. They sponsor Mr. Beast. Why can't they sponsor us? Uh, that would be really cool. Which speak speaking of sponsors, this podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Thanks for betting yeah. with the king of sports books, babies. So this is uh this is good, man. Uh, that was a great transition into the BetMGM thing. Yeah, TurboTax sponsors BetMGM or sponsors Mr. Beast. Um. I'm thinking on this episode we can give out ten thousand dollars to a to a winner or to like an audience member. You in? I wish. I wish. <laughs> I don't even have ten thousand dollars. I'm handing out a million dollars, and we're building up Squid Game. All right, let, let's talk ball here because one of your favorites, uh, I actually two of your favorites, Pablo Lopez is close yeah. to signing a four year, seventy three and a half million dollar extension with the Minnesota Twins. It was broken by your favorite, Craig Mish. Yeah. Uh, I think that's fun that the Marlins guy 
breaks the Marlin fan favorite extension with his new team. Yeah, and, and it's even more fun when you have we, – we talk about how amicable that trade has been, like how, how good it's been for both sides. But for Pablo, I just want to highlight him real quick. He signed out of Venezuela for $280,000, which, you know, is not a drop in the bucket compared to like Christian Javier, Framber Valdez, but he was a very overlooked pitching prospect. He was a throw-in trade or throw-in player in the trade for David Phelps from the Mariners over to the Marlins. Like he wasn't even the centerpiece. I remember the centerpiece was uh, at the time, a top 10 prospect, Brian Hernandez, I believe, who's no longer in affiliated baseball, but, but that's just the crazy part about it. He was just one of the throw-ins in there, kind of on the same level as Nick Neidert, uh, for example, who is now with the Cubs organization, I believe. Point being, he was a very overlooked depth arm, you know, kind of back end of the top 30, if that, for we're talking about prospect rankings. And this guy just worked his ass off. Uh, if he wasn't playing baseball, he'd be a, a doctor right now. Like, that's what he says he wants to do when he's done with baseball. And if you speak to him... Uh, you can tell that he he's he is somebody that is highly intelligent and you know he's going to do a lot of things beyond baseball once he's done but the cool part is he is not going to be done with baseball anytime soon he's overcome some arm issues uh and and looks as healthy as ever knock on wood hit 97 his last start which is huge for a guy that you know had some shoulder issues over the last couple of years and that's why some teams were a little skittish to sign him but i just wanted to highlight pablo because well one great job by the twins to lock him up there if you're going to give up Arias. Obviously, you want to lock up that starting pitcher who's going to be a free agent pretty soon. Not yeah. anymore. Uh, I think it's a great deal for Pablo to lock up $73 million, but a great deal for the Twins to get him for that amount. It's, it's a very fair value there. And uh, just an awesome story for a guy that was kind of an afterthought in the minor leagues to you know now have this generational wealth and prove to be, I think, when he's right and he's healthy, you think he's a top 30, 35 arm in the game. Yeah, 100%. I think he's higher than that. I think when he's fully right, he, he looks like a top 20 arm in the game right now, 25 arm in the game right now. Through four starts, he's got a 173 ERA. He's punched out an AL best 33 guys in 26 innings. So he's gone 26 innings in four starts. This is a guy that can flirt with 200 innings if he's healthy for the entire year. Last year, didn't he like miss a start or two and he got to 180 innings? He missed, I think he might have missed more than that. I think he might have missed three. Um, he, yeah, he started 32 games and he threw 180 innings, man. Yeah. I mean, this guy can be a horse when he's right. A hundred percent. And and to see the velo up is the number one thing. And then also to have this breaking ball involved as well so you're seeing the velocity tick up pretty much almost two ticks from last year and he's got this breaking ball pablo you know it was a tale of two halves for him the first half we were talking about top 30 pitcher we we're talking about a potential you know one or two type that he looked like now uh i think he's back to that you know because he had that, that rough second half the injury kind of impacted that a little bit too and then coming back from it if he stays like this i mean this is he's pitching like an ace yes he is he's pitching you know, maybe not an ace, but he's pitching like a top flight two or a borderline yeah. one, right? And that's all the twins need because they have a bunch of threes behind Pablo yeah. Lopez. So they found a guy that can masquerade as a one and they locked him up. And, and I love the extension for durable guys. Like the Garrett Cole deal is just better than the Steven Strasburg deal. You knew that in real time. Obviously, hindsight is proving that 100% correct. But you knew that you were going to get 200 innings from Cole. With yeah. Pablo, you, you know, like, obviously, yes, he's dealt with the shoulder things. But 
I'm actually not afraid to extend Bieber because you know that Bieber will work with his body to give you 180 innings at least. And I think that's who Pablo is. And that's that's the word. That's the thing. Like worst case scenario, if Pablo does kind of tick back down to 93 and a half and is is, you know, his arm is a little bit iffy there on the back end of the contract, he's still going to get outs. Yeah, he's still, he's still going to get outs. But the crazy thing is he's 27. So uh, hopefully he stays 100 percent healthy. Uh, it looks like he's as healthy as ever. And uh, great news for the twins. And and congratulations to Pablo. An awesome dude. And that's the thing. It's a lot like the Arias situation where you think this guy's 30 and it turns out he's 27 years old. Mm-hmm. He, he's got some great years of pitching ahead of him. And, you know, he's got his 40s to go to med school. Uh, I, I think we can use his 20s and 30s in the AL Central in Minnesota. Yep, absolutely. And they needed someone to kind of stand out from the pack in terms of like you, you mentioned a bunch of threes. It looks like Pablo's, you know, they gave him the, the opening day nod and it seems like he's really, you know, grabbed on to that frontline guy for them. What's crazy, though, is Sonny Gray has looked like a better than a three and mm-hmm. Joe Ryan has looked better than a three. So all of a sudden you might have three high end threes, which is better than we thought. So that that's that's the really cool thing about the way the twins have assembled this rotation and I'm very in on what they're doing over there. I really am. 100%. Me too. Uh, San Francisco, I'm not in on what they're doing at all, but they just handed Logan Webb a five-year, $90 million extension, which I am in on because you need to lock up talent there because there isn't much. And Webb is the talent in that starting rotation. Yes, he's off to a slow start. He's 0-3 in his first three starts. He's got a 4-8 ERA, but... You know, we know Webb, man. He's always going to be that that sinker slider, get ground balls, you know, survive across 180, maybe 200 innings if the stars align for him. He has proven durable, 150 innings in 2021 at 24 years old, 192 innings last year at age 25. You know, he, he's got a ton of good pitching and a ton of good baseball ahead of him. He's going to end up being the vet. He's 26 years old. He's already starting his fifth big league season. Um, he's going to be the vet for a Kyle Harrison and whoever else, you know, makes their way through the pipeline. You hope that Will Bednar is going to be good, although he's off to a slow start in his pro career. Um, Logan Webb is a steadying face in a very volatile clubhouse, I guess, and not volatile emotionally. I'm talking like, I don't know how many of these guys will be here in two years. So that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, looking at the San Francisco Giants, I think this year, obviously they're hoping to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle and hang around the wild card. We don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I feel like the next, especially this season, and then maybe going into next, is going to be a big year for them to figure out who is actually a part of the future here. Who do we want to be here when we are good? And who's going to be a part of this turnaround for this team? I think you ID Logan Webb without a doubt, right? That's that's a no-brainer guy that you you want to be a part of your team uh i I think they're gonna see how this year goes with jock peterson and if he continues to look like that maybe that's a guy that now they try to bring back on you know an even longer term deal but you look at the rest of this team and michael conforto has actually looked pretty solid through through the first 13 games is already a little banged up there's not many guys that when you look through this ball club especially on the position player side that you can id and say i for sure want this guy to be part of the San Francisco Giants in 2025 or 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 beyond. Let's play a game. 2026 season is this guy a San Francisco Giant. You ready? I'm going to go through the yep. lineup, I'm going to go through the bench and then I'm going to go through the rotation. Lamont Wade. No. Tyro Estrada. No. 
Michael Conforto. Estrada's been great, though, this year, actually. So I'll say yes on Estrada, sure. Okay. Estrada, also only 27 years old. So yes to Estrada. Michael Conforto. No. J.D. Davis. No. Mike Yastrzemski. I think they go their separate ways. He's 32 years old already. Yeah, he's not he's getting 26, any better. 26, he's 35, he's not getting better. I say no. David VR. Yes. Because he's a utility guy. He's a good utility guy, yeah. Brandon Crawford. He's age no. 39 season. No. He, Joey, he might be cooked now. I know, I know. Joey Bart. Oh. Um, they might be handcuffed to him. I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say yes. At the very least, a backup catcher. Blake Sable. I think the answer is no, man. He doesn't look hot to open his big league career. It's a really, it was a really bold uh, rule five, rule pick. five selection there. Um, I like the shot that they took, but I'm gonna say no. 2026, no. Matt Beatty, 30 year old Matt Beatty, no. no. Darren Ruff at 37 years yes. old, yes. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Wilmer Flores, that guy's never leaving. That yeah. guy will be here till he's 80. But no, but yes. Okay. <laughs> and then on the active roster, how about Elliot Ramos? Dude. That I mean, he has he has been a very disappointing prospect, uh, given how highly regarded he was. Uh, I'm gonna say no. He's a change of scenery candidate, if anything. That's the thing, man. And I'll save you the breath here. Alex Wood at 35 years old in three years, no. Alex Cobb at 38 years old, no. Sean Manaya, no. Anthony Disclafani at 36 years old, no. Like nobody's gonna be here that's on the roster except logan webb like he's the only surefire yes and camilo doval i would say camilo doval that's it but that's it man you've got taylor rogers and tyler rogers who both suck like it's so uh, tyler's been good taylor's been horrible taylor's been taylor threw his glove away did you see that yeah yeah he just threw it in the garbage and, and like it wasn't even a an aggressive like throw it in the garbage it was, it was like... he gently placed his glove in the trash can Mm-hmm. really weird display of angry emotion. I was that I watched that outing. I was like, I was waiting for something to blow and there's nothing happening. He just looks so stoic on the mound. I'm like, Oh, he's going to give it to us in the dugout. Nope. Just gently just called it a wrap. With I'm the discarding glove. my glove, which has betrayed me. Yeah. Yes, that's it. I am done. But so the point being with this giants team, they should trade every single player who can get them anything back. Like that is the the clear clear thing, and and we're gonna talk about it on the call up because I think this kind of sums up. I, I've put myself on record thinking saying Farhan Zaidi is one of the most overrated execs in baseball, and I still stand by that. The way they've not developed a lot of the minor league talent, uh, the way they've kind of managed this you know mediocre team of old players over the last couple years band-aids on the hoover dam man that's correct they got lightning in a bottle one year and i think it was like the worst case scenario for them because now they they thought that this group could do more and they tried to piece together with a guy who wasn't played in two years in conforto and we can go into that but i think this sums it up as well as anything you mentioned will bendar not really developing well how about patrick bailey their other first round pick is not developed well joey bart has not looked like anything good uh but what's interesting is they're incredibly talented third base prospect Casey Schmidt who's one of the best defensive infielders in minor league baseball we talked about him briefly I think on the last episode when we we're doing the top 100 breakdown that guy's playing short now he's splitting time in triple a Sacramento between third and short you know why because Marco Luciano is not developing the way that they thought and they have no other shortstop prospect in the system that is remotely close 
and nobody on this active roster that can really play shortstop other than Brandon Crawford, who looks kind of cooked. Uh, so when you look at it from that perspective, the fact that you're taking, usually we're always looking at shortstop prospects and saying, can they stay at short? How often do we see a third base prospect and say, oh, can he play short? Like one, it's a testament to Casey Schmidt, who's incredibly talented, a great pick by them, a second rounder out of San Diego State. But it shows you how desperate they are. They have one of the best defenders at third base who would go to the big leagues and be one of the best defenders in the big leagues at third base. And now they're moving him to shortstop where he should be solid, should be above average there because he's so talented. But it just shows you the state of the franchise when you're moving, you know, a guy that excels at one spot to try to patch up another spot somewhere else. Um, The Giants are are in an interesting spot, and I think they're going to be able to spend their way out of it. We've talked about that, but it, it is it is kind of rough times. I'm glad they locked up Webb, though. That was a a good start to lock up one of the pieces that is going to be here in the future. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I ask you about the spending. They break the bank for Shohei Otani, right? So say Otani's in a Giants uniform next year. And, you know, honestly, we, with the next story we're going to get to, like we're going to revisit the Otani narrative as well. Um, but for the sake of this exercise, let's say that they give Shohei Otani a $500 million deal. Yep. And then they hand out a bunch of Hanniger Conforto type deals to surround him. Still don't think this team is that good. No. Yeah, not so really. So weird. Yeah. So I weird. about Hanniger too. They, that, that, that guy's going to be there in 2026, I guess. I guess. What's yeah. he going to be in 2026? On the IL, unfortunately. I love Hanniger. I, I like that pickup for them, though. I'm not going to go back on that one. I would have done the same thing. I like that move. Got um, you. Hopefully he can come back and be healthy. But no, I, that team's still not good. That's too, they, but you figure they can piece together the pitching and then that offense could be enough with the role players around them. Yeah. You know, like that, that could work. Yeah. I, I think Shohei could be looking at a better situation if he stays in LA in large Absolutely. part because Absolutely. of the next story. And it's Zach Neto being selected to make his MLB debut. He, you know, he's played in a couple games so far this year. Um, the corresponding move was David Fletcher being optioned. I don't need to spend much time on Fletcher. Like David Fletcher is Nick Madrigal who are both like being phased out of major league baseball right now. But Zach Neto was perfect aggression from the GM of the angels, Perry Manassian. Like that was, I need to show the best player on the planet, the most talented player ever that we are bought into winning with him. Yeah, and yeah. this is exactly what that showed him. I mean, I, so on the other side, I think Perry Manassian is one of the more underrated executives. And and I love, I love this move too, man. I mean, aggressive, sure, right? Neto is only played how many professional games? 44 minor league games. Yeah, 44 minor league games and has not played above double A. But we saw this guy in spring training. We've seen him last year. We saw him in the early going of this year. He is a natural, natural hitter. Uh, a big leg kick. It looks like he, there's a lot of moving parts. It doesn't matter. He's super athletic. He makes it all look so easy. I, what, what's amazing about him is it's above average tools across the board. And the shortstop situation, the David Fletcher situation, was so dire that they felt as though Zach Neto was an upgrade immediately. Because I don't think they're expecting Zach Neto to hit his ceiling right away, right? This is not, you know, the classic situation of Gunnar Henderson, you know, raking through double and then triple and then being ready. This is a guy that's making a big leap and there might be some growing pains, but those growing pains are worth it because he's going to run into more homers. He's going to probably still get on base at a better clip 
and he's going to just be more dynamic and, and a better player for you overall. And, and I think that's something that they were willing to, you know, stomach the growing pains because the, 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 the leaps, right. Are going to be higher than the, I guess the valleys in terms of, of the good and bad of Neto versus the, the good and bad of Fletcher. Like what's the good that you're going to get from David Fletcher at this point? I don't know, like a three hit day with three looped singles. One of which maybe comes yeah. with a guy at so third like, base. The peaks of the peaks of Neto are going to be way higher, and and the valleys I don't think are going to be as well. Yeah, um, Zach Neto, zero for eight with two punch outs for his first two big league games. He's you cooked. optioned you optioned him now, right? I mean, yeah, he's play, cooked. <laughs> it failed. Mission yeah. failed. Abort. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean Neto, like he's just smooth as shit, man, and, and he's a top thirty prospect on on your new top one hundred list, which is. Uh, in the show notes, it's also the headlining article at JustBaseball.com. Uh, he is number 27, right? Like, this is a top 30 prospect in the game. And he was a 400 hitter at Campbell last year. And he gets into, you know, a, a, an aggressive assignment and is immediately raking. He yeah. had 12 hits in seven games in double. And then he gets the call to the show. So, you know, I I like that they were aggressive here. Um, I think that's a good point. Like they feel like Neto is an upgrade over Fletcher now because I think everybody could have pointed at that shortstop situation and said, oh, they're just waiting for Zach Neto. A hundred percent. Why and, wait if he can be better right now? And I think it says a lot about, you know, how how we feel about him, that he's the 27th ranked prospect after being drafted in the middle of the first round last year. Um, I a hundred percent think he's going to be an upgrade, even if it's a little bit of a slow start. And J.J. Cooper Baseball America put out a really cool piece highlighting why it's actually good company for Zach Neto to be, quote unquote, rushed to the big leagues. Some of the candidates that were rushed to the big leagues. So this was a really cool piece on Baseball America of the 17 position player draftees to reach the majors before the end of the following season of their draft year. And that's, you know, in this 21st yeah. century, nine have produced 15 plus career B-war. This list includes Buster Posey, Troy Tulowitzki, Alex Bregman, Ryan Zimmerman, and Trey Turner. Some of the other names in this list, Nico Horner, Austin Hayes, Andrew Benatendi, Dansby Swanson, Michael Conforto, Kyle Schwarber, and there's a few other notables. So that's a good list. And Schwarber is the only exception there when it comes to high floor. Yeah. Like, right, every one of those bats is a safe bat except Schwarber, and and Schwarber had prodigious power, and the yeah. Cubs were trying to win a World Series that yeah. year. Yeah. So yeah. that's why they rushed him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I love that list, man, and Neto totally fits the mold. You've got Neto ahead of Brooks Lee, yeah? Yes. Yeah, and Brooks Lee went eight picks before him, six picks before him? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, why do you like Neto more than Brooks Lee? Way more upside. Uh, Brooks Lee's, you know, spray the ball kind of guy. Um, you know, I think it's the bat to ball is phenomenal. Um, but, you know, defensively, I think he's a little bit less athletic and rangy. Um, but I just think the ceiling's a lot more limited. Maybe the floor is slightly higher. But with Neto, it's like 50 to 55 grades across the board. It's above average tools across the board. Uh, where the power's fringier for Lee, I see 20 home run potential for Neto. Uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, and, and that's really the difference. Also, Neto's a better runner. Just more of that true, well-rounded shortstop. Whereas Lee, it's going to be a lot on the bat and a lot on the fundamentals. And that's why I'm really excited about Neto, because I think the 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 upside is there. He, he could be an all-star. 
Yeah, you're more excited about Brett Beatty, though, who got recalled by the Mets. Beatty was dealing with um, some soreness in his thumb, I want to say, which is tough, like grip-wise. But he came back nine games in triple so far this year, uh, 400 batting average, 500 OBP. (laughs) He's OPSing 1,400 pretty much. He's got two doubles, five homers, 15 driven in, and two bags in nine games. This guy was beyond ready. And you've got him as a top 10 prospect in the game. And if I'm not mistaken, the number one prospect in the Mets organization out of uh, Francisco Alvarez. Yeah. <laughs> and and dude, I mean, let's see who gets more at bats right away, right? I, if if Francisco Alvarez was ready, you know, I think he'd be playing every day behind home plate, you know, especially with Narvaez out. Beatty, if he's coming up, he's playing every day, man, or at least close to it, at least four or five times a week. Um, and Beatty's just you know what you're getting. I think Alvarez, big power catcher, could be really special. But Beatty, I feel good that you're going to get decent batting average, good power, and much improved defense at third base. It's so nice when the rich get richer here, right? Because the Mets are already phenomenal. You could argue that they had a little bit of an issue at third base. And now they bring up who I think is the best third base prospect in baseball right now in Brett Beatty. Um 112 mile per hour oppo homer the other day, man. Like that is month. That's plus plus power that he's got. And he's finally hitting the ball in the air. If he hits his potential, which I think he will, and he's very polished, his approach is good. He he could be a dark horse for, for rookie of the year. Like I think he could be catching up to Corbin Carroll and making a case there. So this is a really, really fun player that I think is going to be able to contribute right away for them. I, I don't think there's going to be as many growing pains with Brett Beatty. You don't feel bad about benching Eduardo Escobar, who's hitting a buck twenty-five and fifty-three plate appearances. I think he's going to mostly just face lefties. That's it. Yeah, they like him better from the right side. Hey, is Alvarez going to play? I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think the second that they have a better backup catching situation, I think they send Alvarez back down. What's going on there? I kind of hate how they're doing this with him. Yeah, it sucks. Um. I think it's a team trying to win now that doesn't have a better backup option. Which, which sucks. Like he is, I mean, I mean, dude, pipeline last year had him as the top prospect in the game. Do you remember what I, I think I said it on here a little while ago when he was in triple about what my concerns were. I still think he's one of the best catching prospects in baseball. Don't get me wrong. He's 21, but the high fastballs, how he could not lay off them and his swing path. Like it, it just it's it he needs like it's okay a lot of a lot of really good hitters mike trout included have a blue zone at the top of the zone the difference is you know how to lay off of it when it's just above or if it's a strike take it for a strike and dare them to locate it at the top of the zone three times in a row guys will always tug it down and it's a home run that's what trout always does but the reason why trout strikes out a little bit is sometimes guys locate it up there and they'll get you the problem with Alvarez is he's chasing it a ton. So he's expanding the zone at the top, has a big blue zone at the top, and he's swinging and missing through a bunch of them. I saw that in triple. When I was going, before he got promoted, that was something that was standing out to me in triple, both when you watch and then in the data. And I was like, oh man, that's not going to get any better in the big leagues. And it's not. So he just needs to get more at-bats, get more comfortable. But this is also now a guy that's trying to, to learn how to catch a Hall, Hall of Fame starters on the fly as, as a guy that does have the potential to be a good defender, but is still learning there too. This is a fight or flight mode Francisco Alvarez right now up there. And I'm sure he's not complaining. He's, you know, getting service time and getting his checks, but um, it's not great for his development. He should be playing every day in triple a 
uh, and getting at bats and improving his approach and improving defensively. And instead he's playing once a week and, you know, getting thrown into the fire. Uh, again, it's the Mets just trying to win now and he's better than whatever other backup option they'd they'd have. But I, I don't love it. I don't love it. And remember, Francisco Alvarez had his first legal beer last Thanksgiving. Like yeah. he turned 21 in mid-November last year. So, I mean, this is such a young guy as a catcher. Like you're not throwing him off. In my organizational philosophy, I guess, that I've picked up on and I really love from orgs that, A, I've been around, and B, the ones that I you know deem as like the gold standard in Major League Baseball, they're quote unquote, top prospects, their path, like their checkpoints are not altered by what happens at the big league level. Yeah. And that's what's happening with Alvarez right now. Like Beatty passed all of his checkpoints mm-hmm. and he is overqualified to be a major leaguer every day for this entire year. That's not Francisco Alvarez yet. Yeah. Alvarez is qualified to be a triple A catcher and be at finishing school, but he's not qualified to be an everyday catcher at the major league level. And that's not what he's been given the opportunity to do. Why would you make that guy a backup catcher? It's just beyond me. If you wanted to throw him into the fire because you have no better option and start him at catcher, I'm fine with that. We just talked about why it's okay with Neto, but Neto is also more of the profile that fits that. Yeah. But I'd be okay with that. Like, okay, let's see what he does. Hopefully he can learn. Like if he's a mistake hitter through his first year, his power is prodigious. Like, he could be a mistake hitter and you hope that he's, you know, Mike Zanino type, you know, in his first year and develops. I think that's a really bold move, but I can understand it from a team trying to win a world series. When you look at what he did in triple a last year, that should have told you that he wasn't quite ready. Like, yes, 121 WRC plus, but the strikeout rate jumps. Then you look at the data behind it. I mean, swinging strike rate of nearly 20% on fastballs. That's not going to translate in zone whiff over 30%. So that means his zone contact was around 68% on fastballs. Yeah. That's not going to translate. Like all of the writing was on the wall. Um, and, and and this is not to say that Alvarez won't be good. He, I think he will be a great, but he's 21 to our, to your point. And he needs to learn how to lay off fastballs at the top of the zone. He needs to learn how to just hit them better and, and just be more well-rounded. Like it, it happens. Like it, it, it's a young guy that has flown through the minor leagues. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, man. Like it's it's a lot less sexy, but I would have honestly preferred if the Mets, as soon as they saw Narvaez went down, traded cash considerations for somebody that signed a minor league deal this offseason. Like I would so much rather see a Jorge Alfaro or a Tyler Heineman or a Kevin Plawecki or a Luis Torrens be the backup catcher to Nito than Francisco Alvarez be the backup catcher to Nito. But like, I don't think that's acceptable for Mets fans. I don't think that's acceptable for Steve Cohen. And that's the problem that we're running into right now. Yeah. So instead you got a kid that's what one for 15. He's what? Yeah. He's one for 15. He's got a negative 38 WRC plus right now, I think. Negative 68 now, and he's negative, 68. negative 0.3 F4, like early, but it's discouraging. It, like, yeah, why are we blasting this kid's confidence when you could go grab Heineman who can do a serviceable it's, job? It's similar to the Camposano situation in, in, in San Diego, but the difference with Camposano is, you know, there's some like makeup issues and questions about just like the way he carries himself. And like, sure, that that can, you know, impact how much opportunity you want to give the guy. That's not a case with the case with Alvarez at all, but from a pure baseball standpoint, 
Look at what it's done for the development of a very talented Luis Camposano as well. He's kind of stuck. He's like stagnant in his development too. Yeah, 100%, man. All right, moving to the other New York team. We've got uh, another prospect being recalled after Giancarlo Stanton hits the IL. Uh, we got a text in that Just Baseball group t- group chat last night. I want to say like, hey, Giancarlo's yearly IL stint is here, um, which sucks. But Oswald Peraza is the corresponding move. Peraza is back up. So my question to you is, where's Peraza playing? Yeah, that's the fun part. I I feel like it depends on what they want to do with the rest of the roster, right? It's more, I think it's less about Peraza and more about what they want the rest of that lineup to look like, you know, like, because I guess you're going to plug and play Peraza wherever Peraza might just be a bench option for them. So, you know, that it's another guy that, you know, that could be getting every day at bats in triple a, but honestly, I don't even think Peraza really needs him. Like he's, pretty much show me enough in triple. So if, 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 that, if they feel like that gives them their best foot forward, then they, then that gives them their best foot forward. But I'm, I'm pretty sure Peraza has not really played anywhere else much in the minor leagues. Like it's shortstop and second base. So looking at the, the Yankee situation who got hurt, a guy who DHs. Now you call up a really good defensive infielder. It's not really one for one there. It was really because I think he's the guy that's already on the 40 man uh, that they already had it up at some point this year. So they don't have to burn somebody else's option or whatever it may be like, it it makes sense to just call up Peraza, but I think it really just was, he's the next man up. It wasn't really like a, okay, this position got hurt. So we're going to bring up a prospect who plays the same position. This is, we have an open spot on our active roster and this is the most qualified position player period. Um, Gives them flexibility. But I am interested. Like, does this mean we see more Franchi Cordero? Like, I guess. I Do guess. We see more Willie Calhoun. Why are we seeing Willie Calhoun and Franchi Cordero on the New York Yankees? I understand Franchi <laughs> had a nice start. I promise you that will end very soon. Uh, I I just watched. I went to the game the other day. I saw him um, against. Yeah, uh, I think he got blown Varland. up by Louis Varland. Like, yeah. It, Although Varland is a good start, but blowing it's, it's, up a lot of guys, right? Now. I, I understand that. I understand that. I did have his over strikeouts and that with with our friends at BetMGM. Nice. Which, by the way, use code JB two hundred. JB uh, or the fans. Link. Yeah, JB fan. You just click the the link in the description. You can <laughs> you can get the uh, bonus you need there um, for BetMGM. But I, I took the uh, I took Varland over K's that actually hit. Uh, but I like you know that he's not going to keep doing this. It's Franchi Cordero, man. And then what Willie Calhoun, what are we doing here? So I, I am interested to see what, what they do to try to fill that, like that DH corner masher role. Cause it's not Peraza, but at the same time, having a Peraza on your bench is great. You can plug and play. You can move guys around. You can get creative. So um, I, I ask you, how about, I mean, the Oswaldo and right, you know, you've got judge and center. How about Cordero in left, Peraza at short or second with Volpe at the other, and Glaber Torres DHing? That's what I was literally just thinking. And you don't have to do it every day because I think you know Glaber. It's almost one of those things right now. He's playing so well, you don't want to you don't want to fuck with it. You know, yeah. like some guys don't like DHing. Um, I was talking to Jeff Conan about it on Outside the Box. He hated it because he'd think about everything more. Whereas right. when he goes back on the field, he felt like he could at least, even if he's not hitting well, like you flush he could, it. Yeah, he could flush it, and he could he could feel like he's still contributing in another way. So when he's you know if he makes a nice play or does something on defense, like he, it's taking pressure off the bat. 
Um, you know, I don't know if that's the case with Glaber. Everybody's different, but I think if you could do that a couple of times a week, one to two times a week, just to get Peraza into the lineup, that makes you more dynamic. There's a Yankees team that wants to run. We're seeing Volpe run. He just stole three bags in one game the other day, having Peraza in that lineup there as well. A lot of speed that you'd be adding here with Peraza and Volpe, um, Cabrera, uh, like in an even judge, like it makes this team that was really slow now a little bit faster. I would love that. I would love to see them do that every once in a while because um, I, I think you want to have Peraza in this lineup. I do think he's, he, he gives you something. He was really good for them last year for 15 games. Yeah. Um, all right. couple arms that are back from injury, then a couple arms that are shelved now with injury, and then we wrap with uh, Joey Votto, unfortunately. Uh, Brian Bayo is back. He is starting as we chat. Uh, Bayo did strike out Zach Neto, really interesting, but then Shohei Otani singled on a sharp liner to center fielder Jaron Duran. Thank you, GameCast, on a 97-mile-an-hour fastball. Um, it's Otani and Bayo today. Max Freed is also back from injury. Uh, Freed is starting in San Diego tonight at 940 against Ryan Weathers and the Padres. So good test right away from Freed. It, it's great to see Freed back, you know, especially with Schuster's struggles in the early goings. Atlanta has survived. They are 12 and four. One of the better teams in baseball. It, they are awesome. And they may be flawless when that rotation is fully healthy. Um, Bayo is an interesting one because the Red Sox, while they are eight and eight, were terrified of what this rotation is. Bayo can offer that excitement every fifth day for them. So I was going to give my, my bold prediction, but then I didn't want to give it because I didn't know what the injury situation was for Brian Bayo. So now I'm going to put it down here. I think Brian Bayo leads this Red Sox staff in F4 by the end of the year. Because I, I think Chris Sale looks just doesn't look like Chris. Sale. He looks terrible, which and hurts Brian, my heart. It yeah. is sad. It is really sad because I mean Chris Sale is it was one of the most electric arms we've seen in a long, long time. He was a Hall um, of Famer, and, dude. And and some of the peaks with the Red Sox were unbelievable. Brian Bayo is extremely talented and got better and better and better as the year went on. Uh, his last start in the minors against a really good Columbus Clippers lineup: six innings, four hits. One run, which came on a homer, and four strikeouts, no walks. Uh, he's really good. Really, really good. He's going to get a lot of ground balls. He's up to 97, 98, sits in the mid-90s. I think Bayo leads that team in, in F4 among pitchers. I really do. Yeah, I I could see it too. Do you think he leads him in ERA as well? Yeah, I think he might. I think Whitlock is the only one that has a fighting yeah. chance to dethrone him, but that's so shitty, dude. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, they're still running cutter Crawford out there, yeah. um, which is so weird, but yeah, man. I mean, I like Bale. I, I think that this can be a year that Bale steps up. The more I watch this Boston Red Sox team, the more I question like how bought in some of these young guys can get um, because it seems like they lack any drive to win a win a division, possibly. Like, it, it, does that make any sense? Adam well, Duvall think... is great. He breaks his wrist. It's so many things can deter the vibes for them. I'm worried about a young arm when the vibes aren't great in a clubhouse. So think about this. You started Bobby Dalbeck at shortstop. And then 
in the first three weeks of the season, you started Bobby Dahlbeck. And the guy that you started at shortstop in a regular season game, then you optioned to triple a, just got optioned to triple. They they recalled Jaron Duran who was hitting a buck 90 in triple a. So, you know, right now it just seems like they are just trying to piece it together and it's hard to buy in when, you know, your starting shortstop is in triple. And then a guy that, you know, isn't doing that well in triples. Now you're starting center fielder or playing up. Like it, it is, it is not good. Uh, it is kind of chaotic. Uh, but I think Brian Bayo will give them some, some much needed reinforcement in the pitching department. Yeah. Um, Atlanta. Tampa's a weird one because they've started better than I think anybody was anticipating, but do you think Atlanta is the best team in baseball right now? Or is it still Tampa? Do you remember before the season how I was talking about how like how worried I was about the left field slash DH situation for the Atlanta Braves? Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw a foolish Bailey tweet about their uh their production that they've gotten from left field. And I'm pretty sure it's been among like the the worst imaginable on the offensive side of things, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pulling it up right now. Like that's their one Achilles heel, I guess. Uh, yeah, so they, from their left field position, have received a 206, 242, 302 slash line, which is good for a 42 WRC plus from left field. Um, obviously, that's that's a nitpick. That's very niche. But I don't know if you could pick a hole like that, like at a position of power. Um, Atlanta Braves also from the DH position, 192, 253, 315. It's a 51 WRC+. So from a left field and DH position, you are getting, you know, well below big league average production. Two spots where you're supposed to get well above av- average big league production. Like that, that is just that's just weird to me, and that is a little concerning, um, especially when now you've got Grissom at short after Arcia gets hurt, and you're hoping Grissom can hold it down. And if Grissom doesn't, then you're gonna have Arcia back off of injury, and you're still hoping that he's gonna look as good as he looked in the beginning. I don't know. I, I don't know if they're the best team in baseball with that hole. I think they're extremely, extremely, extremely talented. I think they're yeah. top five team in baseball, but you have to look almost perfect across the board to be the best team in baseball. And I don't think that they're perfect. I think they're far from it offensively, but yeah. Sean Murphy performing helps. Darno can come back, fill that DH role. It's really left field and then shortstop them still a little bit like, yeah. Yeah, and the stars are performing right now. Like Acuna yes. is off to a crazy hot start. Matt Olson already has five pumps. He's hitting 315. Austin Riley's hitting 320 with three bombs. You mentioned Sean Murphy's playing really well. Freed is back. Strider looks great. Charlie Morton looks fine. But how about Bryce fucking Elder, dude? Who yeah. saw this coming? I had him like fourth on the totem pole last year. I was like, okay, you got you got Ian Anderson in triple. You've got Kyle Muller in triple. You got Waskari Noah in triple. And then, hey, Bryce Elder's there too, whatever. Yeah. Um, Soroka, hell man, Soroka's down there too. But Elder has come out of nowhere and been awesome. A 1-5 ERA in 17 and two-thirds. Three starts. I He looks like he can, you know, be this guy instead of Dodd or Schuster. And they can continue yep. to get seasoned right now. Yeah, Dodd had another good start in AAA, but it seems like Elder's more big league ready to get the, the big league out so and far. And he's been big league ready. Yeah. yeah, the ceiling may be a little bit more limited, but he just gets outs. Like, he's just better at getting big league outs. Uh, we also didn't mention, like, they've got nothing from Michael Harris so far this year. He's dealing with a strained lower back. He's only played seven games. So, you know, once he comes back, that's going to help them a lot too. I think this is a team that is going to hit their stride fully in June, July, 
you know, you have, you have a little bit of that hangover from last year. Overall, I, you know, they're always a team that's, you know, focused on the world series or, or getting close to it. Um, I think they're going to get better as the year goes on. They're going to go make a trade. They'll go get a corner outfielder and they'll, they'll be set and they'll get healthier and, you know, I think more cohesive as it goes on. But I think right now, even not just, just reacting to records, it's, I think you got to say the Rays are the best team in baseball right now. I think you do. Yeah. And they were dealt a blow. Unfortunately, Mark Topkin at the Tampa Bay times said that Jeffrey Springs will miss at least eight weeks with ulnar neuritis in his throwing arm. Apparently, um, there was some nerve inflammation, according to Mark Topkin, which is terrifying to hear about a guy that went six no hit with 12 punch outs in his first start of the year. Springs was the best of the bunch in the best rotation in baseball first couple times through. Now he's out for two months. Um, weird twisted silver lining as this clears a spot that like you don't need to worry about making space for Tyler Glass now when he comes back or you know Taj Bradley you you assume that he can continue to get big league starts but no springs hurts a lot yeah I mean it, it, it kills uh, but ultimately I think this is a team that also is kind of looking at the second half so just stay healthy tread water keep the start that they got off to is going to buy them some time too but Taj is with the taxi squad as we're recording this so you know, I, I'm interested to see how they handle him. I, I would love to just see him in the rotation every fifth day. Like, Why just, not, man? Like, For let's, two let's months. Just, like, let, let's just go. It's a long time. Eflin, we don't know when he's going to be back. The good news with Eflin is it's back. low back stuff. So it's not, you know, arm related. But the thing um, is, those are finicky where like yeah. he could start in Durham and be like, I'm not feeling right. And they no, totally, totally. But at least it's not an arm thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. The back is, is freaking weird. Um, but that said, like, we know both those guys are going to be out for a while, <clears throat> excuse me, out for a while. You don't want to rush them back. Yeah. Why not just have Taj every fifth day? They have that option though, which is great. And, and I think that's something that, you know, not a lot of teams have just a guy like that waiting in the wings. Uh, yeah. Top 40 prospect in baseball. Yeah. And then of course the, the, the bet, one of the best bullpens you're going to find. So yeah. they're in great shape. They're going to be just fine. And, and I think it's good news that none of those guys are out for season. They'll be able to be fine until they come back. And then having glass now kind of waiting in the wings too, is, is always, always nice. Yeah. Milwaukee's in worse shape. Brandon Woodruff, he's got a mild grade two subscapular strain, which sounds super sciencey. All you got to know is it's a, a shoulder thing, right? Subscap yeah, is back scap. of the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Back of the shoulder. It's almost like back part. Um, and, you know, he's on the record saying, like, I'm not going to rush this thing back. That does everybody a disservice. If he's out for the year, he's out for the year. He may be ready at the tail end, but it looks like the two is gone for the overwhelming majority of the season. Yeah, that's a big problem. That's a big, 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 big problem because they don't have somebody like Taj Bradley quite waiting in the wings. They've got some other guys that could fill in that, that could be nice pieces, but they don't have him. Um, you know, I think also we were talking about it before we recorded, you know, losing an Aaron Ashby who could probably plug in and be a guy for you really hurts too. arthroscopic shoulder surgery. Um, he'll be out for the season probably. Um, you know, they do have some other guys that they can plug like an Ethan small gasser, whoever, but it's just not nearly as exciting. Uh, it, it's a shame. It's, it's really, I think it's, it's, it's a big blow for them. It really is. Um, man, I don't, I don't know what else to say other than like it it could be a season defining kind of blow if he's out for the season, if he can come back by mid season, they got a shot, but it's hard to imagine. I mean, this team is kind of built on that one, two punch at the top. Um, and now they're, they're going to be given starts to like Colin Ray 
who has looked really good. Uh, Freddie Peralta is going to really need to step up and be that too. Yeah, and Peralta has looked good through three starts. He, he carried a sub one into his third start and then struggled in his third, but overall he's got a 3-1 through 17 innings. He's punched out 19. Command got away a little bit. Corbin Burns, we expect to be a lot better than the 5-2 that he's pumping out right now yeah. through three starts. Um, you do have a Colin Ray story, which I'll, I'll let you get to in a moment, but I expect like Bryce Wilson to make some spot starts. And the thing is, Woodruff, out, shoulder. Ashby, out, shoulder. Adrian Hauser, groin string. When's he going to be right? Similar timeline to that of Adam Wainwright. And Hauser, while he's not Brandon Woodruff, can be a serviceable five, can give you a good spot start. Um, yes, Freddie needs to be really important. Eric Lauer, I think, like needs to be great. And he's he that first half Eric Lauer we saw last year. Yes. And he has not been the first half Eric Lauer this year through his first couple of turns. But tell me what your Colin Ray thing is. Yeah. So, if you look at Colin, so Colin Ray, first of all, has looked really good so far. And I think he could be a five for them. Uh, went over to Japan. He was a soft bank hawk. And was pretty solid out there. And, and you know, with the cutter, he found the cutter. And that's been a you know factor for him. Fastball is kind of up to 94. Um, if you go to his baseball reference page, do you have it up? Are you looking like, do you see he threw two innings as a Marlin? Do you know why that is? Uh no, I see he finished a game through six. No, no, no. Sorry. Four he innings. Started a four game, innings I think. Three and yeah. a third in 2016. He was a Padre for the majority of the year. So he was included in that trade of was Jared Cozart or no, it would have been which Padres trade was it? it I'm trying to. So it would have been the trade that sent Luis Castillo over there. And what's funny about it is basically he gets traded over to the Marlins in this deal with Andrew Kashner. I believe it actually was. Here you go. Uh, July 29th, 2016. So the okay. deadline traded by San Diego with Andrew Kashner, Tyrone Guerrero, deep cut name and cash to the Marlins for Carter caps. The motherfucker that like jumped on the mound, Luis Castillo, Jared Cozart and Josh Naylor. So what a horrible fucking trade for the Marlins. First of all, horrible. The, the funny, the funniest part about this at the time, it wasn't funny. Obviously it was. So Colin Ray comes over, pitches for the Marlins, throws three and a thirds, his arm kind of gives out on him. And the Marlins were able to kind of prove that like, Hey, this isn't right here. Um, you withheld some information potentially on Colin Ray. Um, the Padres were kind of like, ah, yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll call it what it is. So the Marlins send back Colin Ray. They get Luis Castillo back. So they're able to actually get a mulligan on trade. Yes. That Luis Castillo, the one that is disgusting for the Seattle. The one Mariners that went now. six perfect on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So they get Castillo back because of the fact that Colin, Colin Ray was a big part of that deal. Um, and at the time looked like a potential starting pitcher. Yeah. So, they are able to get their pitching prospect Luis Castillo back, who they later trade again. They la- they later give him away again. So that shows you how little the Marlins believed in Luis Castillo. But it was just funny to me that they get Colin Ray. You know, they realize, ooh, okay, he's hurt, and the, and the Padres were not, you know, transparent about this. Padres don't want to get into any huge trouble, so they agree trade him back, and then the Marlins decide, you know a month later, maybe less than that, or actually it would have been a year later, excuse me, to trade him for Dan Straley. So 
they tried to trade Luis Castillo for scraps, got a mulligan, and then traded him for scraps again. I'm looking at Luis Castillo's transaction page right now. He debuted in 2017 with Cincinnati. Um, He was signed by the Giants in 2011. Traded for Casey McGee. Yep, traded for Casey McGee with Kendry Flores. Then he was part of that Cashner, Tyrone Guerrero, Josh Naylor, Jared Cozart caps deal. Um, then traded back, yeah, on August 1st. That was, what, two, day, two days Literally later? Literally two days later, the Marlins get a mulligan. Yes, it was Castillo for race straight up. And then January 17th, so that offseason, they trade Castillo, Zeke White, and Austin Bryce to Cincinnati for Dan Straley. And then it's just take off like a rocket ship. Yep. How much did they have to hate that dude? Who was the GM at the time? Um, that would that would have been Mike Hill, I think. But David Sampson has been on record saying he was positive, basically, that he was a reliever. The Marlins president of operations. What? Was just like, yeah, we, we were very, very positive that he was going to be a reliever. David Sampson of Levitard fame? Yes. God, that's so stupid. Isn't that funny, though? Did he acknowledge so, that he was a stupid dude head? Yeah, yeah, he acknowledged okay. it. it was it was brutal. But how how like how rare is it that you get a mulligan on on a trade of one of your best prospects and Never. you still give them away again? It's so stupid. All right, wrapping up with some I guess sad news about I think a future Hall of Famer. Uh, do you think a future Hall of Famer in Joey Votto? I would have said like with one more good year. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be close. I say yes because he's like great dude. All with one team. Yeah. Very well. Narrative fits. Yeah. The writers love him. Like, I don't know if it's first ballot. Yeah. I think it's going to take some time, obviously. Like, it won't be first ballot. But I think when when you have him, you know, against a lot of these PED guys and whatever, like, he's going to get in. He's got the MVP, a 412 career on base. He doesn't have any of the major, major counting stats, but a 412 on base and 926 OPS. Uh, like that, that's going to play, man. That's going to play. And he hit the 2000 hit threshold. Like I, I think he gets in. Yeah. But Joey Votto halting his rehab, um, working his way back from off season shoulder surgery. This is per Bobby Nightingale, the Cincinnati Inquirer. Apparently he met with the media in Cincinnati as well. Votto, I, I watched him all week in Louisville against Indianapolis. And this guy was strikeout city. I mean, he looked terrible which was so weird man and like he's a physically imposing guy he's taking excellent care of his body into his late 30s but I mean he was so clearly the worst player on the field in Louisville for either team and that was a jarring thing to see I mean he was not timed up whatsoever you had like 92 mile an hour fastballs just beating yeah. him dead central that's what I was so gonna bring weird. up that's what I was gonna bring up I went back and watched um and it was like disheartening um yeah I mean, he tore his shoulder and his bicep. <sighs> so you imagine, I mean, and it's in his left arm. So that's the swing. That's the arm that's really doing the work in the swing. Yeah. And it just looks like it's just not there. Like even the way he was finishing his swings, it looked like he was almost still guarding it. And like in baseball, man, if you're, if you're guarding your swing 1%, you're going to get blown up. Like if you're not free and as quick as you can always be, it, it balls just just eat you up fastballs will get by you and that's why it's really hard to age well as a hitter 
when you start to slow down, it's just you can't keep up and you got to make decisions earlier. And when you got to make decisions earlier, they tend to be wrong because you don't have as much time to see the baseball. 21 punchies and 45 plate appearances. Look, they ended this rehab assignment because I think this is my guess is that I thought it wasn't going to get that much better. And so, like, why keep punching out out there? Like, I think he's going to, I think this is probably it. I hope I'm wrong. This is pure speculation. 39 years old. Going to be 40 probably by the end of the season. To me, I think it's like, let's let's not tarnish, you know, our memory of, of I feel like we're talking about him like he's dying. Uh, let's not tarnish our memory of Joey Vada, the player. And like, he could be a bench guy that, you know, comes in here and there. This is kind of a, a, a useless season for the Reds anyways. I, I hope he, if, if, if this is it, they announced that he's going to retire at some point mid season and, you know, he gets a little mini tour and, and calls it that. But I, I, I do, I do think that this is kind of it. I don't think it's overreactive to say, Hey, like these 45 plate appearances were enough. Like, I, I don't see it getting that much better than, than that. Like go I, run I, into some, like, yeah. and that's the thing you can come off the bench, run into some work, some good at bats, spot start him here and there. And, you know, you'll realize at the end of the year, he's hitting 210, but like it's kind of what the Tigers are doing with Miggy right now. Anyways, like, I think he could do something similar. Miggy has one knee right now. Like you cheat, you catch a few home runs and you, you ride off into the sunset. I feel terrible for like, I, I mean, I, I don't feel terrible for both those guys. Cause Miggy's making what 30 this year and Votto's making 25 this year. So, Hey man, they're, they're $25 million richer than the overwhelming majority of planet earth right now, just based on 2023 alone. So I don't feel bad in that regard, but I do feel bad that the narrative is, is being shifted at the end of their career. Unlike I wish everybody could retire in the way that David Ortiz did, or oh even on like, even, even on a subdued level pool holes. Yeah. I mean, pools was like a 900 OPS last year. He was protected as shit. He didn't see any right-handed pitching. He didn't see any good pitching, but they put him in positions to succeed. And he succeeded. Unfortunately, not everybody is Albert Pujols, where they can succeed even when heavily protected. And it doesn't look like Votto is going to be that guy. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like Miggy's going to be that guy. And and that stinks. And I'm sorry hey, to Miggy end. He had a walk-off the other day. A little, little, little fastball. He dribbled up the middle. Like, Hell yeah. That's the thing that Miggy can still do is put the bat on the ball. So, like, in those spots, he can still do it. Like, that's what I'm worried about with Votto. It's like, I don't – what position can you put him in to succeed? Miggy is similar to Pujols where – I think if you put him in against a soft throwing lefty, you can just get the barrel out there and, and, and you know, come up with some hits here and there. I yeah. don't know what it's going to look like for Votto. Also, team option next year for $20 million, Obviously, that's going to get declined. So th- that's it, right? Like, so this is probably it. Who's picking up Votto? Um, so I, I think that's kind of why they ended the rehab assignment. This is probably it. So for Reds fans, I'd say, like, enjoy what you got from him this year. Um, and you know, hopefully they give him a nice farewell tour or he might just kind of want to ride off quietly. I don't know. Um, but I'd, I'd presume that this was it. I hope I'm wrong and he finds something, but you know, I think Reds fans should kind of enjoy the last of, of Votto in a Reds Jersey. For sure. All right. News and notes on Tuesday. Uh, everybody enjoy it. Get your taxes done. And, uh, every link you need is in the episode description. Uh, Peter and Aram. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you.